This show is sponsored by the National Association for Primary Education. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining us today. I'm joined by Batsheva Frankhorn. She's from the Overthrowing Education podcast. And I had the great privilege of being on her show, which I think aired just at the beginning of 2020, although I think we recorded it just a little bit earlier than that. And she's got a lot of experience in teaching and she'll take us through some of the wonderful things that she's been learning through interviewing lots of people on her podcast and some of the some of the interesting developments that we're having is we're, we're currently in lockdown, obviously, around the world. But we're going to be talking a little bit about how education obviously is at the moment, but more importantly, maybe how it might change based on on the situations that we've learned. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So just before we started recording, we were both talking about the fact we've got a house full of people. Some of us are, <laughs> are, are, are working from home. We've got children doing various things. So so if you do hear any background noise or whatever, that's just the situation that we're we're living in at the moment while everyone's all under one roof. And, uh, and like I say, yes. even though we're different sides of the world, that, that there's the same types of things happening in every household. And so, yeah, that's just, uh, just how we're living at the moment. It is. Uh, it's a little crazy. My husband is running his school's entire online program. He's the IT director. He's running the entire thing from a little space in our apartment, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty amazing, actually, if you think about it. <laughs> well, it, it really is, isn't it? It's that, you know, technology, which in some ways has been sort of the demonized in recent times in terms of social media and lots of things which are positive or negative in terms of children, actually have kind of been such a saving grace in these current times. Just, I mean, in terms of just keeping in touch and actually having that positive influence. My, my daughter's been doing all of her schooling on Google Classroom. And so there's been little interaction within the school apart from stuff that's been posted. But the, it's really interesting listening to her working with her friends over WhatsApp or FaceTime or whatever while they're working stuff out and working as a group. And I, I found it really exciting, actually, about the way they actually go about it. Yeah, what I'm finding is there's sort of two approaches, maybe more than that, but um, kind of two approaches that schools are taking. And one of them is trying to force the sort of traditional school model into like a Google Classroom or a Zoom Classroom. And and then there are those who are embracing the, uh, the possibilities of, hmm, maybe this is a really great opportunity to try something new. And to learn, I, I've seen a lot of teachers say, well, I've never done this particular tech thing before, but I'm going to try it because the truth is it's a whole different way of trying to engage students. Um, the frontal traditional way of teaching just I don't think is so successful for distance learning. I don't actually think it's that successful <laughs> in uh, schools in general, and we'll get to that. But uh, but I definitely, I feel that the people who are most successful are those who are figuring out other ways to engage their students. And sometimes it's by force because sometimes, you know, what I'm finding is that many, many students do not have access to either devices or uh, good Wi-Fi, um, you know, there's, there's so many challenges. So uh, successful educators are being really creative 
about how they're going about this. Absolutely. And we are, let's dive into that a little bit um, shortly after we've got a bit of a, a background of of your podcast and everything. But just on that note, I just wanted to say that the technology thing and the space thing is really interesting um, because there are five of us that live in, in our house. So that's three children all homeschooling in inverted commas when, when that became a possibility. And my wife and I'm still recording podcasts. I'm still editing things. All my music lessons suddenly went online. So you know, just actually having, like, say, the Wi-Fi, having enough computers or enough devices to be able to do it. And then, like, say, when you have that traditional mindset of kind of you need to be in school for the same hours that you would do normally, that just doesn't, that doesn't work when there's five of you all trying to do it at the same time. <laughs> there needs to be a f- bit of flexibility. And actually, it's been a really yeah. interesting discussion as we've gone backwards and forwards, which I'm sure we'll, like I said, we're going to get into very shortly. So let's just wind it back in terms of tell us about your podcast. Why did you get it? going what what was the what was the the main sort of impetus of that and um and what your experiences as you've been taking people through the interviews that you've done so far so basically i i've been an educator for over 25 years and as i've been as i've been going through progressing as an educator and learning and growing you know i've developed and i've seen and i've experienced what great education is and and I have the privilege of working at a school called Arate Preparatory Academy in Los Angeles. And my head of school there, Jim Hahn, and I um, are, were very into big picture, like, you know, in terms of education. What's the big picture of how can we keep making it better? How can we, you know, keep growing this? And we did that for the school. We work on it for the school continually. It's always growing. It's always changing. It's never sitting on its laurels and saying, hey, that's good enough. We're always trying to make it better. And as a outgrowth of that, because we really wanted to have a bigger effect, not just on our school population, but also, you know, at first we were like in the Los Angeles area. So we started something called the Arate Institute to try to really help uh, educators and parents and teachers understand what great education could and should be. And then we kept going bigger and bigger. And my background is drama. I was a drama major at NYU and I uh, am a performer and I've worked in film editing. So I was like, let's do a podcast because then we can take all of these ideas and, and these conversations that we were really enjoying with other passionate educators and we can get them out there. So uh, that's how the podcast kind of started. And because, again, I'm a performer and uh, a writer, so I love writing comedy and I love performing and doing goofy voices. So we have added a lot of funny elements to it that are kind of our trademark, like our faux-mercials, which are basically commercial parodies for fake educational products that we wish were real. And that's like one of my favorite things to do. <laughs> and I also, as you know, and anybody who listened to your episode knows, that I also make all of my special guests uh, play the five-minute game show, which I write specifically for them. And so that's a lot of fun. So that's grown. But what what it's given me an opportunity to do really is to have these amazing conversations with unbelievable, passionate, smart these educators around and actually around the world, because now I've done some in Canada and for you and all all across America to hear from them 
what really great education is all about and how to implement it to inspire others to uh, make it happen, whether they're students and parents, how can they advocate for all of these great changes, um, or if they're educators to, you know, how can we make this happen? And that's been really, really exciting. And I've learned so much. I feel like I've grown. I started this podcast in August of 2019, at the end of August. And I have just learned so much. I feel like I grow every time I interview someone. I learn so much. I get so much out of it personally. And I hear from my listeners that they also do. And that's really exciting. I, I have some students who listen um, and parents and, of course, other educators. And that's really the goal is just to inspire people and also hopefully entertain them. And I've really been grateful to get a chance to do that. And overthrowing education as as a name, what's your what's your thought <laughs> process behind that? I mean, I know, I know I know certainly for me, you know, I mean, my you know, we've chatted at length before in terms of of what that might look like. But is is it kind right. of right? It's we're going to have a coup and the whole thing's going to start, <laughs> or, or is it kind of those like say those ways of implementing new ideas? And the thing that I've certainly found doing the Education on Fire podcast is the fact that you feel quite alone when you're talking to people about your new ideas because it just doesn't often fit into the mold of the traditional system. But when you chat to so many people who've got the same sort of ideas, then you do start to sort of go, ah, oh, there, there is a real world out there of people really understanding what I'm going on about. Yes, I definitely, definitely feel that way. I feel so uh, empowered and uh, embraced by, you know, that community of, of really forward-thinking educators. It's been really exciting. And so the, the impetus for the name came from when we were trying to think of a name. Um, I wanted it to be uh, sort of, I wanted to have an impact. I wanted it to be sort of playfully um, provocative. And um, yeah, I wanted people to kind of stop and think about it. And most, I would say 90% of my reaction to the reaction that I've gotten for it has been very positive. Um, I think that people are ready for changes and it doesn't mean, you know, <laughs> that we're going to go out there and overthrow everything. It was really meant to be uh, just, you know, let, let's look at things differently, you know, and, and see what can change. And what needs to change? Because there's a lot of things that really need to be re-examined. And it's interesting because, you know, we talk about a coup. But I feel like this current situation is could potentially be that weird coup. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard that that mentioned in lots of different ways, actually. That, you know, the sense that we all need to slow down. The sense that um, I, I saw a, a, an image on social media about the fact that, no, we can't reduce um, carbon emissions we can't do this we can't do that we can't do anything else and then all of a sudden it's kind of and now we have in literally the space of a of a, of a few weeks um because we had to and it's that kind of you know when the impetus is there and it has to be now we can do those things and having now done it like you said it, it it's what's it going to be like afterwards and, and so let's sort of back into that again what what are some of the some of the things that you've heard sort of pre this kind of lockdown that you thought were good ideas and, and how do you think some of them may morph into what the future may look like 
That is such a good question. So it's so interesting. I have done um, episodes on uh, grading, and it's all about an, uh, the ungrading movement. And I've done uh, one about called Don't Test Me, about standardized testing. And, uh, you know, to like sort of reexamine those bigger issues that are, you know, systematic issues. And also, you know, human-centered learning um, student engagement. I have a lot of episodes about, you know, different pedagogical things for student engagement. And I feel like each one of those episodes is so on point right now because the conversation that I'm hearing, especially, I don't know how it is where you are, but most of the states here have canceled, if not all, standardized testing entirely. Like this thing that has been you know, that has been debated. I mean, I was thinking about it when we did the episode and before that and after that and people debating about standardized testing and but you can't just do away with it and da, da, da. And suddenly, like you said, in a minute, we are not stand, doing any standardized testing. There's no SATs going on right now. There's no, uh, you know, any of the standardized tests are not happening right now. So this is an amazing opportunity to really sit down and examine that and to decide, is there some merit to some testing? Is there no merit to it? Is there an alternative we can come up with? Do we need an alternative? You know, what, like really look at it from every aspect. And it kind of gives us this amazing pause to do just that. And I think it's the same thing with the grades, because how do we grade in a time when not everybody has equal access to the content, right? If, if a, a teacher can't, and so we've been talking about these kind of broader issues, and now they take on a whole different meaning. So it's the same thing with grading. And then student engagement. I have episodes about blended learning uh, that Catlin Tucker, who's such a blended learning expert, and she's done two shows for me. And <laughs> I mean, this is kind of blended learning, right? It's this is really what it's all about right now. So those episodes of how to be successful with blended learning are so on point right now again. And so the conversation that I'm hearing out there, the the positive part, there's so much that's heartbreaking and sad, and I'm hearing that too, and it's it's very, very intense. But the positive that I'm hearing about it is these teachers who are saying, when we come out of this, and it should, you know, please God be soon, we will be different. And our education system should be different on the other side of this, because we will have hopefully learned so much in this process that if we go back to what it was exactly before, then we've lost this opportunity to really examine everything and question everything, not throw out everything because there's much merit, but to examine and to reform and to reshape. And I know so many teachers who are using this time to learn new skills and to figure out, you know, and saying to themselves, wow, this is a really cool tool that I'm now learning I will be able to use this in my classroom when we get back there. Like I'll be able to incorporate this whole, everything that I'm learning 
into when I bring it back into the classroom. And if that happens, then something great will have come out of something awful. And then, you know, that would be something. I think that's absolutely true. And, and, and I've got a few experiences along those lines as well. I mean, our eldest was meant to be doing her A-levels this summer. So this is kind of, you know, age 18, getting ready to get mm. the grades that you need to go to university and all of that right. kind of thing. And then it's kind of, and there are no exams. You're right. They, they've, they've stopped the exams for A-level. They've also stopped the GCSE exams for 16-year-olds. And one of the conversations that came out of that was, but this is what we've been working for. This is, this is everything yeah which really opened the door to the the kind of but it's not everything because you've learned everything you would have done you know we're here now well today we're in april but this conversation was in march you know you've studied for everything that you needed to do yes you were going to start preparing in earnest for the exams but you've covered the work you know you actually know all that stuff that's not lost yes the exam's not happening but you haven't lost everything else and i thought it then really shines a light on why the mental health issue and the pressure really is felt by children because they they sense that the exam is everything and actually right when that was suddenly taken away yeah exactly and when that was taken away they just felt like lost you know what does what does that mean where do I fit in and it's like and then you really understand they're not in the process the the whole journey of learning and the bit by bit because it's Mm -hmm. all just that end end goal orientated and it was a really interesting thing to feel as well as actually sort of have a conversation about Right. And so it's a deep seated issue and there's lots of feelings on lots of different sides and and a lot of valid points. And I think that that's why it needs an intense examination. And I think this is a a great time out in a way to have those conversations and to hear all the different points of view. I mean, you know, mine, (laughs) my point of view, which may have seemed a little bit radical to some people, uh, suddenly I feel like is not quite as radical as it was, yeah. <laughs> uh, because you know, of what's happening. But, um, but I think it's a really great opportunity for us to really listen to each other and hear and reform what's the greater good that's going to come out of this. And I think that what you're saying is so important. We need to put the emphasis on the learning on the journey of the learning and the learning itself and what's acquired and the joy in learning that so many students don't feel anymore because, or at all. I mean, maybe they felt it when they were younger or not, um, but they certainly, as they get older, stop feeling it because of all the pressure that they are under. And like you said, it's all this sort of end goal game instead of focusing on, you know, what are we learning now? What are we experiencing now? So hopefully those were are things that will change. Yeah, and, and, I, and I think a lot of credit should go to the teachers around the world who, have, certainly here in the UK anyway, have felt so sort of disempowered by sort of very tight restrictions on what they can teach and how they can teach it. And, and almost in, in a heartbeat, they've had to come up with solutions that aren't the same across the board because it depended on their school situation and the solutions they could find to carry on teaching from home. Um, and and just I think the way they've come through that, the way different solutions have come to come to pass, and and the way that so many people seem to be to be thriving in different scenarios, despite the fact that standardisation should be everything, you know, it really is going, <laughs> it really is sort of going to show that that's that you know that it's isn't that true. isn't the case, you know, exactly. <laughs> right. And and on the exam front, you know, here I think they're going to be taking, you know, 
sort of elements of, of work that's been done throughout the couple of years. Um, you know, maybe some marks from testing that's happened generally throughout the year rather than obviously the specific exam, which is not going to happen. You know, areas of coursework, you know, footage of various things that have happened if it's a more active kind of subject. And then use the teacher's skills to be able to sort of pull all that together. And then eventually when it's all sort of put in, a grade's going to come out in some form or another. I don't understand the details of all of those things at the moment. But, you know, we're actually giving teachers the opportunity to show us the skills that they have in the, the reality of what it is that they're able to do with their understanding of the pupil that they're marking as well, which I think is such an important thing. Yeah, I, I think there's all kinds of opportunities out there for teachers. And I actually had, so the episode that I've just released, which is very different than anything else I've ever done. It's, um, I, I usually have a segment called in the trenches, which is like a, it's like a five to 10 minute segment at the end where I talk to teachers and sometimes students and sometimes parents about whatever that day's topic is. But this particular episode is all in the trenches and it's about teachers. It's actually called um, in the trenches, reflection, response, inspiration, or something like that. <laughs> but I, I just finished it last night at midnight. Um, and basically what it's all about is I interviewed 12 different educators from around America. Actually, one of them is from Canada. And every one of them comes from a different place, uh, rural city, suburb, different economical, their schools are different economical backgrounds, their students are. And so they're all facing all of these different challenges. And they share their stories. And I was so blown away. And I know that they're just a sample of the, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of educators out there doing exactly what you said, having to find creative ways to do their job right now. And the, the passion and love that they have for their students is just mind blowing. But one of the teachers was talking about, he teaches among other things, he teaches AP, uh, I think it was AP history uh, in high school. And do you have AP classes there? No, we don't. Okay. It's advanced placement and that's a whole nother, going to be a whole nother topic on my show. <laughs> but in any case, basically what they end up doing is uh, for these classes is they have to cram in as much, talk about teaching to the test. That's literally what this is. But they teach to this exam and they cram in all this information throughout the year. It's really intense and it's not something I think is very positive and more and more schools are doing away with them. But in the meantime, that's what he's teaching. And he said, because they canceled the AP exams and or they, you know, and all the standardized testing, it's freeing up exactly like you said, it's freeing up the teachers now to go more in depth with whatever their content is and to be really creative and get to spend the time to actually answer students' questions and to delve into them and do all of these things that he dreamed about doing and wanted to do. Um, and I know that that's what so many teachers are, if they're looking at this as an opportunity, a positive opportunity to try new things, to be creative, let themselves fail. This is all, that's another one of the other educators that I interviewed talked about this, about, you know, we're all in this new realm right now. And so failure is an option. Like we're all in this boat. And so we can try things. 
and do, you know, whatever it takes and, and cut ourselves some slack on it as well. And I think that flexibility is one of the other real positives, which I've, I've noticed, um, just into you know in terms of having teenagers in the house you know not having to get up at the crack of dawn to get to school and, it, and, and it's only like an extra hour you know they're sort of starting around the same sort of time they might have done in school but they haven't had to spend the time getting there and and also the amount of work they're covering they they tell me anyway that they're actually covering as much if not more work than they do during the school day but in a fraction of the time they're often finishing by sort of half one um, right. ha- having been able to move their lessons around a little bit. Like I said before, there are five of us in the house. So, you know, one of the things was, oh, I've got PE now, so I'm going to go into the garden and actually do some of the stuff I know I want to be able to do. And then I'll come in and rejig my my exercise around. And th- I mean, it works really well from that point of view because they're not on, like you say, live Zoom lessons, which I know some schools have. It's actually the daily work is put onto Google Classrooms and then they can sort of make it work as best they can and, and fit it around everything. But just having that sort of extra bit of time in the morning to come to has been a really positive one. And and I thought if they can get the work and get the attention that they need during that amount of time, that's freed up the whole afternoon for where they could actually do creative things, project-based things, um, sporting related things in a, in a way that it's not getting in the way of anything. One of the things that I often hear, especially doing music, is oh, you can't come out of this lesson because of a lesson for music and, and we haven't got time to fit this in and fit that in. But actually, we seem to have found all this time, which we never thought <laughs> that we actually had. And um, And like I say, just I wonder whether we can actually find that time again you know whether it's starting school later whether it's actually been able to have some part of the day remote and some of it in i don't know i mean there's all the safeguarding and the the realities of these things when obviously people are getting back to work as well but that's a slightly bigger question the whole kind of is uh is school childcare as much as it is actually an education system but but hey but, but but like you said i think there is that sort of element of being able to it should be different if we find a new way that's working and we can adapt I agree. And I think, you know, again, we can take some of these lessons that we've learned, like the ones that you mentioned, and really reimagine what schools could be and reimagine what they, you know, like think about all the possibilities out there and get creative with what it is. And I know I'm doing that with um, with Jim Hahn, my head of school. Um, I also do want to say that Arte starts at 9 a.m., <laughs> which is so civilized. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for teenagers, even that. But, you know, they're so grateful. They're like, we don't start till 9 a.m. That's so great. Um, but I, and my own teenagers out the door at 7 a.m. usually in the morning. So, ah. but uh, it's yeah, I think that um, this is the opportunity to really think about all of the things that we're learning during this time period and seeing, can we come out with something new and something different? Can we, you know, I don't know. I'm trying really hard to be optimistic that that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that the fact that the teachers have been given the ability to, to come up with these ideas and these solutions themselves, that these teachers will actually be empowered enough to be able to feed that back in to, into a system that says, look, 
we've actually done this now and actually it's worked really well can we not do it in some way or another you know you've asked us to do this you've let the shackles off and we've actually proven <laughs> to you that we kind of knew what we were doing in the first place um and 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 look can't we run with that and it's going to be really hard i think because there's so much give and take that's happened now that's been a very positive one and it's happened to the entire world as well. I think that's the important thing. It's not like, oh, right. well, it's happened over here. Let's give it a go and we'll see. It's like everybody's in the same position. And if we can have that mindset, if we all need to learn with each other, we all need to be able to adapt really quickly, which is what we've been doing over the last few weeks, then I think it really is just going to be, it doesn't have to be equal test. It has to be, this is brilliant. I'm now going to do it like this because it works and let's let's all learn from those things you know with some things which like you say fall to the wayside some things that don't and i think because it's been such a a focused strenuous time it really will people will will actually make a difference i think and actually have those conversations and, and it's certainly one of the things i'm excited about having as i'm vice chair of the national association for primary education here in the uk that having a national yeah. organization it can maybe put some of those voices together and actually say, look, this is what we've heard. A bit like you were saying with your all the interviews that you've done. This is what we're hearing. This is exactly how it's worked. Let's pull all that together and actually be able to sort of produce some kind of document or, or, or some kind of voice which is saying, look, this is a way forward or at least let's have a conversation about it. Yeah, I think that's great. And I hope that that happens all over the world, that uh, the the that will be the aftermath is people coming together and um, wouldn't, wouldn't it be amazing to have a world document of, you know, put, put it together like a whole committee of people around the world. Here's what we know worked. Here's what we know moving forward, you know, with some kind of manifesto. That'd be so cool. Uh, uh, really I would. can dream. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's, I have to say, that's one of the reasons I started um, my Patreon account, which is which is only, I literally went live just before this thing's happened. And, and, and having decided to sort of bring education on fire, the network focused back into one entity was the fact that what I was hearing is that it was the essence of the sorts of things we've been talking about that people were relating to rather than the traditional you need to niche into different areas kind of thing. That was the sort of the overarching niche. And and the reason for creating the Patreon was the fact that I wanted to bring all these people together that are passionate in the way that we've been talking about and who are really doing these things that can actually create content, create things that we can then gift to children so that no matter what the education system does or doesn't look like, actually they have access to the things that we do know really works. And And I think... I think that's going to be really interesting and it might be a way of sort of bringing people together in, in an education system sense as well as just a, an individual sense too. Yeah, and I think that that's really important because um, that's kind of the message I'm hearing everywhere is we are stronger together. And I think it's really true. And the the global reach that we have now can be dangerous, as we can see with this pandemic. But it can also be amazing, which is we can bring people together from all over the world to learn from each other, to grow from each other, to help each other, to give to each other, support each other. And I think that's so powerful. 
just explain a little bit in terms of of how your podcast fits into the the idea of a network because i know you're very heavily connected to educators not just from doing the interviews but in, in terms of the the way you work in, and and the idea of a network as well so tell us sort of that sort of reach and, and how you found the benefits of that well i think what's been really incredible for me and it kind of goes back to what you were saying before when when i was having these conversations with jim early on you know we felt like we were in this little vacuum and you know, we, we knew that there were some schools out there and some people doing some thinking, but what's been really incredible is expanding this network of educators who are forward thinking, who are contemplating these big ideas, who are trying to implement new and interesting strategies to reach their students who are open to growth. And I've been so moved Twitter, I have to say has been, I mean, that's how I found you. (laughs) And it's been a really eye-opener for me. And I've learned so much. I mean, I've been doing this for 25 years. I have a master's in teaching. I, you know, I considered myself, you know, a great teacher, (laughs) but I'm still learning so much every day from this incredible group of educators that I keep widening and widening as I learn more from more people. And, and, um, my podcast is part of the education podcast network which has a lot of different great educational podcasts um, and and people. And I feel so honored to be part of that because it's such a great group of educators and podcasters. Um, There's so many amazing podcasts out there. There's people doing incredible things. It's just, uh, to me, it feels like a groundswell of important changes that are, that are happening. And I, I feel like um, I feel so lucky to be a part of it, and I also feel like um, it's it can really happen. It can really happen. I see that out there, and so I encourage everyone to, you know, start developing those kinds of networks of other educators who are like-minded, who inspire you, who um, you know set you on fire. It's great. And I also the other thing I say is be the match. It just takes a little bit of light to lighten up a dark room, right? Just one little in a dark room, just one little match brightens it right up. And that match can light another match. And, you know, we can really, you know, set education on fire. Absolutely. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's no coups involved today. No. uh, and 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 I think that's fantastic. And I, and I think what it probably does in terms of this particular scenario is the fact that if people are looking for answers and and direction, that actually people like yourself and like say the networks and that kind of thing, there are people already advocating it. They're already doing it. They're already sort of leading the way. And I think those people will grab hold of onto the sort of the coattails of of those things that are already happening and hopefully it's not a standing start it can actually just sort of gradually start to lift with more and more people doing it so i think it's a very exciting time as like i said as well as you know a very sad time for many people and and and, and an amazing situation in a way which is quite hard to decide um quite hard to sort of get your head around but um i think from an education point of view i think like you say the world is going to look a little bit different afterwards and hopefully in a in a positive way so why don't you leave us with a way that people can connect with you and, and find out more about what it is that you're doing? Because there's so many great things there. And I, some of those interviews, which I've heard you do, I mean, people really should go and check out. So how do they do that? Sure. So the first thing is the podcast, Overthrowing Education, is on pretty much every 
podcast platform. So that's easy to find. Or you can go to overthrowingeducation.com. And if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, that's awesome. I'm at overthrowing ed. And it sounds bad for poor ed, but (laughs) (laughs) they didn't have enough letters for education. So it's just overthrowing ed. Um, And I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me at Batsheva Frankel. If you want to see more about me on a personal level, batshevafrankel.com. You can check out the arateinstitute.org. If you want to check out what my school is like, it's arateprep.com. I think an arate is A-R-E-T-E. And uh, yeah, I think that covers pretty much everything. Fantastic. And we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll have some links to all of those things on the show notes as well. So all of those, all, all of you listening can just uh, <laughs> click, click straight through if you haven't managed to write all those things down in, in one fell swoop. <laughs> well, Baksheba, thank you so much indeed for spending the time here and, and, and sharing your experience, but also I think your enthusiasm for what we all feel is, is hopefully a bright way forward that's going to come out of, of these very difficult times. And, and I wish you the best in terms of keeping well keeping safe and um, and shining your light moving forward thank you so much mark i love what you do keep doing it and also for you to keep safe and healthy and um we should get a chance to talk again soon in really great times i'd like to thank the national association for primary education for their continued support and sponsorship of this show NAEP are currently supporting teachers by producing fortnightly videos which cover themes like art, school trips and literacy. Also they are giving away e-copies of their professionally produced journal Primary First. To find out more about the association please go to nape.org.uk. That's nape.org.uk. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.